Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, welcome to Blaster Cannon via the Den of Geek Podcast Network. We are your Star Wars expanded universe. Is it expanded universe or we is there a different term we can use now? It's lowercase expanded universe now. <laughs> we could say tie-in, we could say like Star Wars stories, okay. also lowercase. It's not technically expanded universe uppercase, but I still find that a useful term. It is useful. It is useful. And that, of course, is the lovely Megan Krause. Hello. Hello, Megan. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Uh, it's weird. It's weird. You know, <laughs> life is weird. That's all I've got to say. You and I have both been super busy at our day jobs recently, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Work, work sucks. But, uh, but we're here to talk Star Wars. With us, as always, also is our lovely, lovely friend, Saf. Hello. Hello. Sorry, my dog is doing something behind me. I have no idea what she's doing. Um, our fourth co-host, Bean. Our, yeah, Bean, our fourth <laughs> co-host, yes. Yes, yes, Megan says hi, Bean. Um, anyway, but thank you for listening. We've got a couple, a number of things to talk about. So one uh, being the resistance, uh, but we had a bunch of info recently on the new up-and-coming cartoon, uh, Star Wars Resistance, that we kind of talked a little bit about. And uh, we also are going to talk about today... Our main topics and be about about Thrawn alliances, which Megan kind of touched on a little more than me and Saf did of the previous show. We're going to go in a full spoiler uh, review of this. We finally finished it. I finally finished it. it only took me almost two months. No big deal. And uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. But that was written by Timothy Zahn. And we're also going to talk a little about some about some comic books. That's one more my my wheelhouse. So anyway, um, we'll get started with the first topic here, and that's with the Star Wars Resistance. Um, so a couple of trailers have come out, uh, or one trailer has come out, and then we also have a couple um, featurettes about some of the characters. I actually haven't seen the latest one today. I've been so busy. I just hadn't had a chance to sit down and actually watch it. I think it introduces a lot more of the side characters, the pilots. Um, I did watch the last one where I kind of introduced some of the actors playing the characters. I only watched it, like, I think, once. But, uh, but anyway, the trailer came out, and it's been kind of interesting. You've, it's... Uh, I, for me, my initial response was I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Everything about the show that I was reading or hearing about just wasn't, you know, like my, my thing. Just, I just kind of the, the premise of it wasn't really my thing or whatever. But the trailer really changed my mind. And I'll get into that in a second. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. So I guess I'll go with uh, Saf. I mean, with Resistance. I think you're... Were you more excited than, than me for this? I don't know, but I'm curious what your thoughts I are. Don't, I don't think I was. Um, I'm a little mm-hmm. bit more into the art style and everything now that I've seen the other trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I think the feature it today was probably the thing that got me most interested just because it talked about the other pilots a bit and like had some characters that I kind of enjoyed. I'm still mm-hmm. not sure I'm going to love this show, but I am still going to give it a go. Okay. Really quickly, since you actually watched the featurette, like, again, I, I feel bad I haven't had a chance to, to do that yet, but I've just been so busy. 
uh, I noticed there was a TIE pilot helmet guy with, like, just a helmet on, and he's got, like, big bare arms. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. What's, that's, his, what's um, his, Tell me about this Griff. Guy. He's, like, he an ex-TIE awesome. pilot, and so he's still got, like, remnants of his stuff. Like, his ship is built out of a TIE fighter. Um, and One most of his stuff is... About him is that they're like being kind of, uh, they're not saying directly whether he was really an imperial or whether he yeah. just says that he was a tie pilot to make people think that he was cool and tough. And I kind of yeah. love that. Like it's just in the data bank that like this is what he says he is, but no one's sure if it's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I love that. I have a feeling he might end up being one of my favorite characters, um, depending on how his character arc goes, because I always love that gruff veteran character who ends up loving yeah, the yeah, weird yeah, kids yeah. around him. That is like extremely my type. Um, <laughs> so I may end up loving him. That's funny because that's also extremely my type, but the character that I'm like, I emoji about who is that same type is Jaeger, who was shown in the first trailer. And he was not in the, the featurette today at all, except very briefly in like a background shot. But the more yeah. I see about him, the more I'm like that one. That's the grumpy character that I'm yeah. going to. <laughs> I won't be surprised if Jaeger ends up being there for me as well. Um, I also really liked Hype uh, Faison, who's played by Donald Faison. And so his character is kind of based on him, um, which was explained in the featurette. And I think I might enjoy him because he's going to be like a comedy kind of character. Kind of the the cool, funny guy who's a bit arrogant, but not actually as good as he thinks maybe, which is also my type. Um yeah, I also really yeah. like because in the feature rate today, you see, I don't know, I don't remember if you've seen it in previous things, but like you see a little bit of uh, what's her face's droid, which is like pink and blue, like her. And I was like, yes, I like that. I definitely don't have all the names down yet. They are in the databank right now, but I'm still getting used to knowing the names. Um, but the droid did look very cute, and there was like a cat like animal. It looked like a loth cat, but much rounder. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty cute. So yeah, is, when they said today bucket? that each um each pilot was no, it was a different droid. Okay. Um, they said that each pilot has their own ship and their own droid, and I was like, I'm interested. That's a lot of droids. I know that's <laughs> that's one thing that I think this art style, the fact that or the fact that it's not 3D, it's a little bit you know I hate to say cheap. That's not what I'm. I'm not, I'm not trying to insinuate that Lucasfilm's trying to save money necessarily. Maybe they cool. are. Yeah, but like it's just it's a, it's a lot easier to do more with this animation than with 3D. Even though I think 3D looks a lot better. I mean, better. this is animation. This is 3D animation. It's just the shaders that make it look. No, 3D. no, right? No, totally. Yeah, and I think, and that's the thing. Like I, which with that, you might get more exotic things that we than we than previously with Rebels. Even though, even though I think Rebels was great for the most yeah. part, there was a couple things here and there. But like you said, Saf, if everyone has their own droid, that's a lot of unique droids that we're going to get. I've always been a droid person too. Like I've always loved the droids. The R2 and 3PO, I grew up loving. And I loved the uh, the Jawa scene in A New Hope when R2 is going through and you see all the different droids in there, like the Gonk droid and the other R2 unit and R4 or whatever. And, um, you know, I love that stuff. So droids have always been a big thing for me, like a 2-1-B. I love all that stuff. So I'm really excited to see what kind of droids these they bring out because – Rebels definitely didn't bring a lot of different types of droids. It was very much the same, again, because they're, they're all models, right? So, but, you know, talk about the animation for a second. I brought up a good point. It's still technically 3D, and we kind of talked about that, I think, in the last show, that this is still, even though it's 2D, they did mention the 3D idea, and I've seen it live action for the first time. 
I actually really like the animation a lot. Um, the more I see I thought, it moving, the more that I like it. And I yeah, really like exactly, yeah. doing the shadows, the racing scenes look really cool. The colors really pop. I think I've said this before, but it reminds me a lot of Tailspin with the focus on like planes yes. and racing. And I love that. It really makes me want to go like find some old episodes of Tailspin and see if the colors look similar because it has this vibrancy to it that I think will be really, really spark the imaginations of kids. I mean, I'm looking at it and going, this is really cool, but I can imagine for kids, they would even more so be able to say that. And one of the things we got in the feature was a little more about what the actual, um, the location is and what the characters are going to be doing kind of in their spare time. So it talks about that they are not really connected to the events of the larger galaxy. You know, Poe Dameron's going to be a little bit involved. You know, Phasma's going to be a little bit involved. But it says they're basically out kind of away from all of that and that they race in their spare time and yeah I love and they're like the reluctant of... resistance pilots i think because like yes. the war has really started so they don't really know what they're doing yeah and mm. i like that it's that slice of life thing um they made sure to point out in the article that came out today that these are not jedi characters and while part of me is like, yeah, like as hardcore fans, we know there's plenty of stories that are yeah. not about Jedi. People have been talking about slice of life characters for a long time. We got collections like from a certain point of view. We got books like Twilight Company that are about characters that are not really related to the original it's characters the original. at all. I know. It's what? Okay, five <laughs> minutes. Um, we have gotten all that already but this show um also does that and i'm glad that they pointed that out because i think that especially people who maybe only know the saga films well that will be a really good selling point for them well this is just like average people are doing in in star wars yeah no i it's funny because we just got a movie of you know even though it's about han solo we just got a non-jedi movie which i end up love i ended up loving I know you guys didn't all love it as much as I did, but uh, but no, I, I think it shows that Star quality. It's not a saga film. I think that's the that's why I make that yeah. distinction. Right, right. But I think also because there's no lightsabers in that movie, except for the you know spoiler alert, the very end. But even that's like you know I don't even count that in my opinion. But um, no, I think that this is a. Uh, a, a int- this will be an interesting uh, test for I think Luke. Uh, uh, Lucasfilm, because it isn't a Jedi character. There's no Jedi characters. It is going to be more lighthearted, you know, something that we kind of talked about before. Um, You know, this is not going to be a deep show, right? This is not going to be a Rebels or even, even it got criticized a little bit for not being always a dark show like the Clone Wars would turn into. It did it occasionally. and, And when it did, I thought it was great. But I'm not expecting anything remotely that dark in the show, which I don't know if that's good or bad yet because, you know, good storytelling is good storytelling. It doesn't need to be dark or light or whatever. As long as it's a good story, it's a good story. It just really depends on how you deliver that story. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think there's this, a is, this is this is too between darkness and heaviness. Um, a show, I don't think this show is going to be heavy and, and that's fine. Um, whether it has kind of, you know, darkness in terms of there's going to be fighting, there's going to be spies. I think there's going to be some of that. But I don't know that it's going to be as deal with weighty themes the way Rebels dealt with, like, environmental degradation and character death and the sort of slow growth of the Empire. I don't know if it's going to deal with that. 
Yeah, and, and and that I don't think so either. I think it's going to be very like on the surface. And, I, and again, I'm curious how they can do that and connect to connect to their audience, which is mainly for kids, but also obviously Star Wars fans. Like, how do you please you know everybody? <laughs> maybe, many Star Wars fans are kids. I think that's important to note. Or right, right, or exactly, or you know, I mean, and again, I'm not. I don't think it's a bad thing to cater or to you know to have a kid show and. and you know, and, and do it that way. Right. That's not, that's not bad, but, uh, you know, it, it's whatever. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very much in the, in the line where I'm very curious how the show is, is it, it, how it does, because yeah. will it, will, will it connect to the audience like the way it wants to with the kids or is it going to be, you know, or are we going to bash it, you know, because it's not dark enough or it's not this enough or whatever. And I'm not expecting that. And I, I hope people don't expect a, a weighty show you know, because maybe that's all we need. But I, I will offer this one criticism, and I'm curious what you both think of this. Because it's not a weighty show, do we? Is it gonna be like too? Not I want to say too kiddie, but how about this? Let me rephrase my question. Because it's basically all about racing, and like to me, it seems limited of what it could do. Is that going to put it in a box where it's going to limit it what what the stories could do? Do you think it's already going to be behind the eight ball just based on the loose premise alone? So I think there's because, sort of two different questions here. One of which is, is it going to be popular with the kid audience? And one is, is it going to be popular with the adult fans? I do really wonder whether adult fans are going to pick it up. I was talking to people today on Twitter about um, specifically being interested in the older characters. And I think that... Um, similarly to in Rebels, a lot of the adult fans were interested in Kanan and Hera because they were, you know, closer to our age. Um, I think maybe you'll find that section of the fan base. Um, and then there's also the question of will the audience, when the, will the child audience bring in the numbers um, to keep it going? And for that, I look at Forces of Destiny, which had two seasons, um, but was still relatively wasn't advertised as much. It was relatively short. So I think the, that's a really good question. I also think it kind of comes down to just, is it going to be popular or not? Is it going to be well-received or not? And as much as I'd like to analyze that question and say I have an answer, you can kind of never know unless, you know, until you see. Zaf, do you have any other thoughts about that? Um, I have a feeling this, like... In a similar way to Rebels, I have a feeling that if this continues on for a few seasons, it'll get more depth than we expect from it now anyways. Um, so I think, like, at the moment, like, I think kids will definitely love it. Like, it looks like something my nephew would enjoy. Um, as for, like, popularity within the fandom, I don't expect it to, like, get as big as the other ones that quickly, especially because it's a lot of people who have already learned from Rebels that the animated kids shows may not be their thing. Um... We may not see as much talk about it in the fandom as we used to, but I think it will get more depth and more serious storytelling. Not necessarily like like a huge maturity jump sign like that, but I have a feeling it'll probably grow with its audience in a way that a lot of kids' shows do. Um, so if it gets a few more seasons, I think it'll get, yeah, more depth in it. And I agree with that, that that's a thing a lot of kids' shows do. I think lately it's sort of in vogue to say, as if it's a gotcha moment, oh, this show is for kids but actually has something really deep in it. When that's something that kids' shows have been doing for maybe Ever, at least yeah. five years now, if not longer, there is this large audience that's looking to get some kind of 
uh, emotional depth out of them as adults. Well, that's a good point because maybe more so in the last, I'd say 10, 15 years instead of forever, Paul, come on. No, uh, I think you're probably right because I think with, with the evolution of, of, of just how, how things are presented because things even before um, Netflix and, and digital providers, you know, shows were, were coming back and staying on because of, you know, because of just more uh, accessibility with more stations that are available to keep things around and resurrect things and, and, the, and hmm. things to find life through reruns and whatnot. So um, I think that pro- it's been probably, probably more prevalent in the last, I'd say like 10 years, you know, and that makes a lot of sense. So that's probably been going on for a while. And then I think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's cool. And, you know, the show, like, like I said, I'm, I'm not going into it expecting to like, to like fall in love and be like, this is, this is must watch television. I mean, I'm going to watch the first pilot and, um, which is, I think is a, the pilot is the name of the episode it's called the pilot. Yeah, double, <laughs> double meaning. So, so clever. Yeah. So clever. You're, you're, you're good. Lucasfilm. That's good. I'm, I'm being serious. It's good. No, but um, I, I'm going to watch the first episode, you know, as a must-see TV, and I'm going to kind of let it go from there. And, and will I, you know, make sure I watch every episode the day it gets released? Eh, I might wait. I might. It may not be like must-watch TV at that moment, but I, I'll I'll get to it eventually. Um, but I, the one thing that it has going for it for me um, as a Star Wars fan, and I'm not like a big ship guy, but. Um, I think this is hands down some of the best ship designs uh, since Disney t- took over, period, um, in, in Star Wars. I think the ships look phenomenal. It's pretty cool, um, and it really melds the original trilogy design with, like, pod racer design. Yeah, and even and it has a little flair of some newness to it, and I think it looks great. And I think that whoever is, is behind these design ships, they need to make sure they're on full time working for them for the films, because I think those ships look phenomenal. Uh, um, the girls ship Beth Christensen is doing the art direction and I believe possibly like the direction overall. Right. Yeah. 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 She's pre- she, she's a pretty head honcho. And I think they, they need to get her employed and working on the ships for the movies, man, because I'm telling you those ships look phenomenal. They look great. And there's some good ships. Yeah, the what's the one that's not Kaz, uh, Kaz or whatever his name is? The other one, the girl who's like, like she's like, oh, she's like pigtails, she has white kind of white suit. Oh yeah, let me look up her name because uh-huh. we referenced her I before. Her right? name, yeah, that's the name I forgot just before. <laughs> okay, look, yeah, please make it. Why you look that up? I'll just say her ship is so cool. Like I, I I'm in love with her ship. I think it looks great. Um, Kaz's ship looks cool, but I think her ship looks even better. Like, I'm, like, really yeah, impressed with her. Yeah, I love her ship. Yeah, and I would love to get a, uh, a Hot Wheels uh, miniature of that and put that on my desk because I think that looks I great. definitely did think when I saw that they each have their own ship. I was like, okay, so we're going to have all the toys of all of those, which, like, that's fine. Um, so her name is Tora Doza. Uh, so that's Tora. Okay. Yeah. So Tora Doza, like I'm, I'm already intrigued by her character. I'm already in, all in because of her ships. So give me more of that. I mean, I, I'm very curious how these, cause here's the thing. If these, if there's one thing I know about me as a kid, when I was a kid and you know, kids in general, they love cars, yeah. you know, Lucas, kids George love Lucas like cars. cars. Racing was always part of like the DNA of star Wars. 
Yeah. So I think this is where I think the show could really hit with the kid audience. Maybe it won't be like the stories themselves, but the ships alone may like draw and say, not save the series and saving, but may drive the series, no pun intended. Cause you know, <laughs> but uh, may drive the series because this based on the merchandise alone, they may be able to make a you know, decent money because it's star Wars, but also because the ship designs are cool and, Kids love, you know, every, any kid loves cars. Is what oh, my it is. God. My Everyone nephew loves, like, the big vehicles and stuff from the shows that he watches. Like, oh, my God. If there are Lego toys of these ships, like, I'm totally getting them for my nephew because he will love them. This reminds me so much of when my brother and I were young because he, he really loves cars and racing. And I was more into sci-fi, so we'd kind of, like, try to find a middle ground. Like, I'd play Jedi Academy with him. I'd play, like... He was Forza with him. Like, we'd kind of switch back and forth. And I feel like this has both. This would have, like, the racing for him and, like, the sci-fi characters for me. And if we were young at this time, I think we would watch this together, which would be nice. Yes, I like the new look at characters. Yeah. The other characters that I wanted to point out were uh, Bo Kevel, which is just a great name. And he's a Keldor pilot. And then Freya Fenris, who is this kind of... Um, like distant, uh, sort of very, she's described as hyperlogical pilot. And I really like her and I'm curious as to how old she is because it's kind of hard to tell whether she was part of the previous, like, was she in the original trilogy? I just like want to know everything about her. So I'm definitely more excited now that I know about those characters. Yeah. I think, uh, I think this is a positive first step. And I just want to say for the record that if you, you know, for people who are on the fence about it, and you know, and they, they they haven't watched the trailer. They have no interest in it, and they hear about this the the huge like thumbs down thing on YouTube. Is you know that's all contrived, and people are are doing that on purpose. Were they just doing to, that like, again for this? Down be- no, mm-hmm. people did yeah, it for they, Force they, of Destiny, and like, come on, they did it for Force of Destiny. Really, that's weak. Oh god, these people need to get live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not something you like. Yeah, it's sad. If- yeah, that's what yeah. I don't understand. You know, people will get on YouTube and, and complain and be like, duh, 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 blah, blah, blah. You, know, you sound you, exactly you, like that's them. Fine. <laughs> I do. And that's the thing is like, you can, you can, that's, that's cool. Like, say, I have no problem people not liking things. Like, I really don't. Like, I, I don't like everything. I, I, everyone calls me a hater too. I get it, you know? But here's the thing love something else. Like, you don't have to, you know, it's the only reason they do it because it's profitable. That's the only reason they do it. It's ridiculous. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, you can not like something that's totally cool. It's within your right. You can talk about it. But if you talk about it constantly, you know it's a, there's an ulterior motive. Excuse me. So, you know what? Do some, if, you don't, if you don't like something, say it once. Say it a couple times, but move on. Talk about something you love. No, no point to be negative. So, anyway, get off my chest. Anyway, so... Moving on, I want to talk about a little bit about some, a uh, little bit about Darth Vader comic books. Now, um, the ladies have not been able to read Darth Vader yet, which we're going to hopefully change. Sometime. You're trying to trying to convince and us, if you're, but I've heard good things about the series. I'm trying. Well, I think I've convinced you guys. We just got to get you guys copies of this stuff. So maybe we can get uh, Marvel to hook us up or something like that. So. But anyway, um, for people who, who don't know, and I, th- I think I've talked a little bit about this, and we'll kind of talk a little bit um, about these Darth Vader comic books, is it's written by uh, a writer named Charles Soule. He's an ex-lawyer 
Um, and, uh, or I think, no, excuse me. He's, I think he's still technically a lawyer. I think he's still working as a lawyer, but he, he's been writing a lot of, a lot of comic books recently. I did not know he was a lawyer. Yeah. He's, he's, I I think I read on Twitter, he was talking about, um, he was a, uh, uh, immigration lawyer actually. Um, and, uh, which, which is even cooler is that he actually is writing Daredevil, who is also a lawyer in the comic books. So, um, it's a really, really, and he's actually killing it on that book. I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, some of the best Daredevil we've had since Bendis, in my opinion. So if you're a, a Daredevil fan and haven't picked it up, you should pick up his soul, his soul stuff too. The soul stuff, it's great. Um, anyway, Charles Soule's also written a ton of Star Wars now. He's the main writer for Poe Dameron. He's written the amazing, amazing, amazing Lando miniseries. I love that miniseries, the original one from a couple years ago. And he's also written um, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, which wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't terrible either. But it was, you know, still solid. The, in fact, my favorite stuff from that, that comic book, if you guys haven't read it, is um, he has a lot of great Palpatine and Anakin moments. And uh, those are great. So um, anyway, Charles Soule, is, uh, he's doing the book with another penciler, or with, another, with, with a penciler, named uh, uh, Giuseppe Camicoli. And he's Italian, and I know his work from Amazing Spider-Man. He did a lot of work with Dan Slott. And uh, his art is a little more stylized, a little more uh, – this is going to be silly to talk about comic book art, but it's very cartoony looking. It's not, it's not realistic as, as much as um, some other work would be out there, some Star Wars work. Like uh, uh, Alex Maleev, who did the work with Charles Soule recently um, with Lando – um, that's a little more realistic looking than, than what his stuff is. Now, with, with the Kamikoli, I didn't think it was going to fit Star Wars. I'll, I'll be very honest. And what ended up happening, uh, I bought the first issue and I went, oh, it's definitely his art, but it fits. It's, it's, it's fine. It wasn't, didn't blow me away, but I thought it would fit. I've now grown to think it's, I love it for the stuff. It's great. It really fits the tone of Star Wars. And, the main series is, is the Darth Vader series, and, I, and I'm not kidding when I say this. This is some of the best Star Wars comic books, if not some of the best comic books I've read in a while. Um, you're talking about a writer who is, gets the character and is getting him in a time where this takes place literally, literally right after Episode Three when he yells "No." Um, with, with, uh, with Palpatine right next to him. And it continues that from there. And it's kind of going for, you know, going from that point on. And you're seeing the transition from Anakin, the failed Anakin to becoming that, that menacing person of Darth Vader. And it's not like a, you know, a, a sudden thing, but he's gradually getting to that point. And he's pretty, you know, he's pretty much there already, but you're seeing these moments of like, people are starting to respect him. Like they can't just, you know, not care about Darth Vader. They're starting to see that why he's, you know, he becomes the most feared man in the galaxy. And uh, anyway, but there's been a number of story arcs that have just been great. That have really been developing things. Like you get to see how Vader um, made his first lightsaber. You get to see um, characters from the comic books or excuse me, from the movies that you didn't normally see and would never thought you'd see like Jocasta new makes appearance in the second arc of the series. And it's very interesting. Yes, that's one of the reasons I want to read that um, is for her. No, no. It, it, and he handles it beautifully. Charles does a great job of writing the character and makes her, I mean, let's be real. She didn't have much to do in the movies, obviously, because she had like one scene. And she was very stuck up when she was on screen. And he continues that 
with, you know, and he gives, and again, he gives the Inquisitor like a tie-in, which Acosta knew. He gives other Inquisitors ties and things like that. Like, he, he ties the Inquisitors in from the, from Rebels uh, into the series a little bit. Like, he really does a great job of fleshing out things and setting up things that you are, expect to ha- see happen eventually in um, the Rebellion and whatnot. So there's just great moments that, you know, and he really just gets the voice of Vader. Um you know, there hasn't to be, and this is seriously, this is, there has not been a, a, an issue where I thought it was just okay. Every issue has been good. And that's not, and it's not what I thought with the last Vader series. I thought Kieran Gillian, his series was very kind of up and down. It would be like great to like, okay to, eh, and it kind of go all, all over the place. Soul has been solid from day one and it just gets better and better. And I really can't recommend it enough. Um, I think we really got to read. I think we have to read that that Jocasta new series or the, that that arc because I think you ladies would love love that stuff. So we're gonna have to figure this out. You know, it's not my like. I wasn't like, oh yeah, I have to read that immediately. Obviously, but I've heard a lot of chatter about it. Fans seem to be accepting it really well, so that's good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad it's going well. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, if we'll have to figure something out because if I can get. Um, if I can get maybe if there's a big if there's a big sale on you know Marvel has these Star Wars sales on like all the time, so maybe when Solo comes out physically they'll come out like a, a special week long Marvel digital sale, and that that specific uh, graphic novel might only cool. be like yeah we can we can definitely figure it out somehow um, as long as it works with our schedule so yeah keep an eye on the sales and stuff they they often do those well yeah for sure and if. Yeah, and if people, you know, if there are people looking for other options to read it, um, Marvel Unlimited, is, I think, is a steal. I use it all the time. Love that service. It's like Netflix for comic books. It is all on there right now. It's always six issues behind, six months behind, but it's basically six issues, six issues behind the current comic books. So I know it's already past that. So you can, if you want to get, you know, get started on it, you can start on issue one and go all the way to issue, I think, 12 at this point. So it's highly recommended um you know of all star wars comics i think it's must read i really do and i don't think the main series isn't must read i don't think poe dameron's a must read um darth vader is if you're a star wars fan you have to be reading darth vader so we got to get on that at some point so we'll uh we'll get on that um so another thing i want to talk about and i'm very curious your opinions on this because i'm kind of i become a, a guide person but there's a new scum and villainy, uh, Pablo Hidalgo written book about kind of the, the, a reference guide book, if you will, kind of in the vein of, I think of the, the movie visual guides, but like, it's a little more detailed. I think of other characters in the, in the universe. And I, I love these books. And I, I, I was thinking about stuff to talk about today. And I just, I was curious what you guys thought, cause I'll, I'll get lost in these books for hours. You know, I opened it up like, you know, this is, this is what will happen to me. I'll go and I'll uh, be organizing things, and I'll grab it, and I go, huh, I haven't seen this in a while, and I'll open it up, and an hour will pass, uh, you know, just like that, and I won't even realize it. But, you know, these guys, they keep putting out these guidebooks, and I just, I always want them, and I'm curious well, what your guys' thoughts. And I just, I just want to real quick clarify, um, what's the formal title of this? Because when you originally wrote Scum and Villainy, I thought you meant the Smuggler's Guide, which is the new one by Dan Wallace. Um, is that not the one? Well, which one? By Pablo. Let's see. 
No, I do see something here on StarWars.com. So just for my because for my own clarification, I want to see Star Wars scum and villainy case files on the galaxy's most notorious by Pablo Hidalgo, October twenty three. Okay, so it's, also it, I, very close to. All right, so there's that, and then there's also the Smuggler's Guide <laughs> set for October thirtieth. But yeah, I. <laughs> I'm not as into reference guides as I used to be. I usually buy the one like the visual guides that go with the movies, but I used to be do, able to do exactly what you said, which is just read them and get lost in them. Nowadays, I'm kind of too busy and too like goal oriented, I guess. Usually if I'm getting them, it's for a specific thing. Like when I got the solo guide, the visual guide, it was like, I need to learn everything about Enfys and everything about like the cloud riders. So, um, but I do like them and, uh, I, I don't have a ton of things to say about the scum and villainy one. Um, but I'm currently reading rebel files by Dan Wallace, which is the, you know, there's like the fancy edition of these files books. And then recently the just like little hardback edition came out. And those are the ones that are kind of annotated by characters and are like in universe explanations of things. And I'm really enjoying that one. So um, it seems like I know Pablo and uh, Dan Wallace, of course, are both very well versed in the universe. And I do like seeing all those details of things in, in uh, the universe. There's just something very satisfying about kind of, it's like putting a puzzle piece together or putting puzzle pieces together, you know? Yes. That's, I, I love reference books because of the puzzle thing. Basically. Um, I don't tend to buy them for money and space reasons. Um, but when I do get my hands on them, I get them often as gifts from people or like I'll find them at a friend's house. And I do the thing where like I dig into them and just read the whole thing and just love it so much and get like really vested in the little details. Um, I've had reference books like that for things be the reason I've fallen in love with a franchise. It wasn't the case with Star Wars, because, you know, I've always loved Star Wars. But, like, when it's come to gaming franchises and stuff, sometimes I'll read a reference book and get really into the lore and everything of the franchise, and then get really into the franchise after that. Um, so I have a definite, like, huge love for Star Wars <laughs> reference books. I'm currently reading The Rebel Files cover to cover, which, I, like I said, I don't often read them cover to cover, but it just had such cool anecdotes and stuff in it that I... It was entertaining enough for me to do that. So it was. That was the first, uh, the initial run. I don't want to say first edition because I don't think it's technically, is that an edition in that sense? But um, so there was the one that came with the big, basically a suitcase kind of thing. <laughs> but then um, there was also a, a inexpensive edition that did not have any of the in-universe artifact stuff it just has the book it was like 20 bucks or something um instead of the big one which was like a good chunk of money and uh it does not yeah it doesn't include all the moving parts it's just the book itself so that's the edition that i have and it has been out for a while i remember it was actually on display at book con last year and i just picked it up recently uh on my own you know because you know particular reason I think it's a really fun book um what it has that I think you in particular would like is diagrams of ships there are a lot of diagrams of different like types of x-wings and types of troop carriers this one has uh from a character point of view I really enjoy it because it has characters from a lot of different eras it's these kind of in-universe like um story of it is that it's records that were found by 
the resistance from the rebellion. So there will be notes like Poe Dameron saying, reading something Mon Mothma wrote and saying like, oh, that would have been really good if we had that in the resistance. Or Leia reading something that Mon Mothma wrote and saying like, oh, like, I wish we'd known this in hindsight kind of thing. So I think it's fun. Um, part of the other reason that I really liked it was that it does reference some minor minor stories we're gonna get a second twilight company reference here so there's a little section about twilight company and uh there's a little bit about um uh yes. cassian and a little bit about ahsoka so it i think dan wallace does a really good job at putting together a lot of different parts of the star wars universe and making them fun the the lines from Poe are all like really cute. Friend of mine's a big Poe fan, so I was just like sending her pictures of all these things, and that's the kind of like it felt like discovering an Easter egg. You know, uh, that's one of my favorite feelings to get when reading some of these reference books. So I would definitely say, I mean, I didn't get the the edition with like the box, so I can't really say you know here's a way to compare one to the other. But I can say that in general, buying the just the book um, has been really nice. And I think if you've been putting off buying the full edition, like the if you're not interested in collecting it or something, I do think buying just the book itself is valuable if you want to you know read a different perspective on these stories. Some of it reminded me of from a certain point of view because it tied a little bit into Mon Mothma's like beliefs about where the rebellion would go. Everything from when she was in the Senate and what happened with her, her and Bale to like they didn't directly reference um, contingency plan, which was a story and from a certain point of view, but there were. It reminded me a little bit of that where she was thinking like, okay, what do we do if the emperor does this? What do we do if the emperor does this? And you kind of get to see things like that moment of surprise and shock where they actually dissolve the Senate. You get to see the um, kind of the, not the discovery of the Yavin base, but like the, here's what Mon Mothma was thinking when she planned out the way the, the Yavin base would work. There's a map of the Yavin base, which I love. So... Yes, I haven't finished reading it yet, but I would recommend it. If you like The Rebellion, I love, like, The Rebellion is one of my favorite just aspects of Star Wars, the aesthetic of it, the the hero characters. I really like all of this, so part of the reason I picked it up, too, is because I knew I would enjoy that era more than I would say the Imperial uh, version, but there's this is like a companion book to the Imperial Handbook that, that came out a while ago. I dig that. Yeah, that- Oh, go ahead, Seth. I'm sorry. No, I was just like, I dig that. Like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to put that on the Christmas list because I, I think I almost bought it a couple of times. I was like, eh, I'll just go later. You know, I, I just didn't know if it would be worth it, but that sounds kind of cool. So I'll, I'll definitely look into that. Um, really quickly, uh, solo novelization. Uh, lots of new stuff in it. I have not read it because I don't read books. I listen to them. Um, <laughs> I was... I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was very blessed to get the audiobook though, and I'm gonna I am gonna listen to that. I'm not a big novelization person, um, just because I, I prefer film and comic books to novels, but uh but audiobook is the reason I can get through books, it seems these days. But I'm really curious, they added a lot, it sounds like, into this book. So I have any has anyone read any of this? No, Anybody? I'm scared. <laughs> Oh no, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> L3, oh no. Oh, I, Seth, I so badly want you to love this movie for L3. I really do. I know. I don't want to start a conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, no. I know you do. I want I to know. as well. I'm just not sure it's ever going to happen, unfortunately. 
It's, I understand. The thing with the novel is that I think Mer Lafferty had really good intentions, which sounds like such shade, um, but really isn't intended to be. I, I really like her books in general. Well, I like Six Wakes. I really like her social media presence. Um, she does add a couple scenes that I think were very intentionally made to give L3 more interiority and to give characters like Enfys more of a voice. There's a conversation that this was in the um, excerpt that was published before the book came out, so I don't consider it too much of a spoiler, but there's an excerpt that talks about Enfys meeting Jin, which is just great, and like it was the Bechdel test, and it's a cool little moment. So I think the extra scenes were interesting. I also overall did not really like the book, um, which sounds like an a oxy, not an oxymoron, you know, a I said so many good things. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't really like it. But so, so check out my review on Den of Geek for more if you want. Um, I think it was, I, I feel the same way as you said, Paul. Like, I want to like it. I want to say it did well in terms of responding to the movie, but there were, I had some major problems with the novel uh, itself and, and the interplay between the novel and the movie. Uh, so. Do check out that review if you want. For sure, I will. Uh, I'll read that because I didn't, I didn't know you read the book, and that bums me out. You didn't like it, but I I did read the book, and I I I do want the review to stand on its own. Part of what I talked about was the difficulty in separating how I feel about the movie from how I feel about the book. Yeah, that's what like I'm worried about. The construction of the movie. The construction of the book, the content of the movie, the content of the book, those could be four different conversations, and I, I wasn't going to write four different and, articles. You know, for someone so. like me who just adores the movie, I think I'll probably enjoy the book because it will probably dive in a little bit deeper into these, these psyches and things like that, which I, I love. Remind me, did you like The Force Awakens novel? Did you read The Force Awakens I, novel? I, again, I don't okay. read novelizations because, like, for, for the most part, because they're they're usually, you know... What's on film is, on, is the canon. That's that always trumps everything. If there's ever a contradictory thing, whereas you know, like for instance, I really like the Rogue One adaptation for comic books. Um, they added a lot of cool stuff, which is was, I think a lot of that stuff was in the novel too. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The novel was um, really good. I heard you, you guys really liked it. And I know, um, I just, again, I just, 
tell me this. I guess does a Rogue One novel dive in a little deeper into the psyches of the characters, or does it just kind of it's just all very not formulaic, but um, just kind of go with the story more? It's been a while since I've read it. Am I making sense? Um, I have a stupid grin (laughs) on my face. Um, (laughs) The Rogue One novel is very good. Yes, I would say it dives deeper into the characters, and I'm actually curious about what the comic book did that maybe like is similar to what the the novel did but I don't know that we want to go into the nitty-gritty of that but yes I, I would say it did add it didn't add scenes but it added kind of character yeah I'm gonna say lines. I still haven't finished it because I know that the Scarif thing is gonna make me cry um so I stopped reading it right before Scarif and haven't picked it up since because <laughs> Jada Jada made me cry that's the part with Kate yeah yeah right? I did but yeah Jada made me cry so I just put down the book at Scarif and I was like no I can't I can't do this the part with KT is so yeah. much. Aww. So, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm going to listen to it eventually, and I'm going to, you know, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll give a review. Because, but to be honest, I'll probably end up liking it just because I I, I adore Solo, the solo uh, this movie. This, this movie, is, I love this movie. I just, I just watched it yesterday, and it just blew me away how much I love this movie. So a little biased, a little biased. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. So let's move on to another book I will definitely not be biased on by any means of the imagination. Right, ladies? Um, <laughs> Thrawn Alliances. Um, so maybe – I think – Good. It, you're still biased if it's negative. <laughs> I know. I, know. I, was, I, was being funny. I was being funny on purpose. I, know you- I actually love your note. Can I read your note? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Read what I wrote the notes. The doc. So Paul wrote our show notes for today, and I just opened this and saw Thrawn Yawn Alliances insert tongue sticking out emoji, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. A very that note is it's very thorough. It uh, it covers a wide spectrum of human emotions. It really captures your feelings for this book. Yeah, it's very me. I'm very, as my friend Sean from my other podcast would say, it's very, you're very on brand. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, which is. Oh, just to clarify, we will have spoilers in this section. Yes, yes. Now, I want to say for the record, I didn't hate the book. Okay. I want to make that very clear. I didn't hate it. I, I actually really enjoyed it at first. And so. For me, this book was just, it just kind of lost me at the, like, as it went on. I was really engaged, really enjoyed it, and then it just kind of lost me. And I don't know if it had something to do with the timeline switches or not, but I've talked a lot today and I want to stop talking. So I want to give you guys the floor because, uh, you know, I guess, Megan, you talked about it already a little bit. Staff, I'm very curious what you thought of this book. And you kind of told me a little bit before we recorded, but I'm kind of curious if we can dive in a little deeper. Did you like the book? And if you did, tell me what you liked. And if you kind of thought it was okay, tell me what you liked and didn't like. Go ahead and uh, the floor is yours. Oh, it's mine. It's all mine. Um, I actually like this book more than I expected because, you know, I've never had strong feelings on Thrawn before, uh, as I'm sure I mentioned on this podcast before. I initially read the previous Thrawn book, but I picked this one up because last episode, these two told me I could read it without reading the previous one. So that was good. Um, yeah, I actually really ended up enjoying it for the most part. Like, it's not a Star Wars book. I'll go back and reread it. It's not, like, a favorite, and I love it. But it's a solid Star Wars book, more so than some of the other books I've read recently and haven't enjoyed. I'm um, looking at I, Jedi. Um <laughs> 
so sorry that you read I Jedi in under. To be fair, I read I Jedi and then I read Thrawn Alliances, so I felt a lot better about alliances than I might have otherwise. Um. <laughs> I read the first. I, I listened to the first. Um, I think a half hour of I Jedi, and I turned it off mm-hmm. because it wasn't. Well, I didn't like it that much, but also because it was abridged, and I didn't like that. Right. I'm like, I only listen to unabridged books. Oh, so, anyway, you don't want that continue. book unabridged. Um, <laughs> so going back to <laughs> canon books, thank God. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed Throne Alliances. Like Zan's writing is, you know, pretty solid. Um, I really like the fact that you know it had a lot of Anakin and Padme in it. It's like a huge chunk of the book wasn't actually in the present time. And the present time stuff was all about, like, force stuff, like, force mysticism stuff. So I was like, okay, I like this, kind of. And also Vader and Thrawn's, like, <laughs> relationship was great. Like, whenever Thrawn was like, ah, oh, yes, Anakin, and then Vader would be like, Anakin's dead. Thrawn's like, oh, yeah, my, my mistake. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, of course, Anakin's dead. Like, I love that stuff. That stuff is great because it's so funny. Um, but I remember when I was, like, first kind of started reading it, and there was, like, a sentence that started with, like, Anakin... I don't know, Padme and Thrawn, like, walked somewhere or something like that. And I just burst into laughter and had to put the book down for, like, five minutes because, I don't know, there's, like, some kind of weird fan fiction stuff. Like, Thrawn and Padme just hanging out together is so bizarre. And it took me a while to wrap my head around the fact that this is, like, a thing that happened. Like, this is a real thing. I mean, a real thing in a fake universe. But, like, this is a canon thing. Padme and Thrawn, like, work together. <laughs> um, so it took me a while to get over that whole, like... I don't know, weirdness of, like, these characters interacting. Um, but I really, I don't know if I would enjoy Thrawn as much, like, on his own, but I really enjoyed his um, dynamics with Padme and Anakin and Vader quite a lot. And it probably helps that I like Anakin and Padme a lot. So that kind of, you know, pushed me more towards the liking it side. Um, and I also really liked the stuff, like, gone into deep spoilers here, but the stuff about the clone armor having that cortosis stuff in it. And Anakin's like, oh, obviously they were going to infiltrate the Senate with the clone armor. And Thrawn's like, ah, uh, you sure about that? And I was like, oh my god, they were going to make Jedi-proof clone armor. That's so cool. So I really liked it for that little, like, that small little, like, thing about Palpatine being really dupli- duplicitous. Really evil. Um, <laughs> I dug that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. Well said. That's. I'm glad that you point that out about Padme because... Um, I think, I, if I remember correctly, I talked a little bit last time about how I, I really do like how they wrote Anakin as a different person from Vader, which Kieran Gillen also kind of did in his Darth Vader comics. I also liked the way Zahn wrote Padme, which is also kind of a weird sentence to say. Just like, <laughs> that's a thing I can yeah. say in 2018, you know? Um, I do feel that Padme, in a lot of cases, is in the prequel trilogy, rather, is kind of a blank slate character. She has a relatively strong footing in episode one, where she's the the queen, and she has this network of handmaidens, and she has um, this very, like, go-getter attitude kind of thing, and then she becomes more of a politician, and uh, this is the kind of stuff we're probably going to see in the novel that's coming out in the future about Padme, her transition from queen to senator and her growing up. But in in a lot of cases, I think her characterization gets a little diluted um, by the time of episode three. And maybe also in the Clone Wars, she's a little bit, she becomes what the plot needs her to be. Um, But I think from even for me, like if I'm thinking of as a writer, if you asked me to write a Padme story, I would definitely struggle a little bit with like what, 
of her traits am I going to focus on? Um, how am I going to deal with the, the not contradictory characterizations she has in the prequel trilogy, but the different uh, degrees to which the, the trilogy does and does not focus on her. So do you think that Zahn did a good job in like focusing on one of her traits? Um, I think he did. I think I'm, I'm glad that he emphasized the way she was good mm-hmm. at negotiation and, and uh, you know, sort of having political clout. There were some parts where I was just like, she needs to let, like, stop letting Thrawn boss her around. Like, there's a point at which he, like, he, like, makes oh, yeah. carry something. And I was just like, Padme, like, don't, why? He takes her backpack or something, and he, like, she's like, no, I'll carry it, and he takes it. And to be fair, he makes a good, expl- like, the problem is that Thrawn's always right. Like, it's really annoying. Like, I think that's something that Padme kind of struggles with in that book. Like, he's like, I'm going to take a backpack. She's like, no, I can carry it. He's like, no, this is why I'm going to take it. But, like, he doesn't ask nicely or anything. And I think I wish he'd fought back a bit more on that, of being like, hey, if you're going to do this thing, like, maybe say why to begin with. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess it was to kind of emphasize that she, what she prioritized, right? That she was like, that fight is not, like, I'm not going to fight over this backpack. I'm going to try to get us out of here first. Um, Did you like the way that she was Yeah, I actually really did. I kind of didn't know what to expect with her written by Zahn. Um, I've only read, like, one Zahn book prior to this, I think, or a couple. I read Outbound Flight once. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed her because he wrote her like, yeah, he got her like really as a negotiator, which is like, you know, one of her main skills as an ambassador and a queen, I guess. Like we see it in other stuff. Um, it's one of her strengths. And also you get her like <laughs> how much she's just kind of given up on trying to make Anakin do things. Like she's like, whatever, whatever. Uh, but you also kind of <laughs> see some of like the anxiety in her at that as well. Like cause she thinks about the sand people, a tattoo in the fact that like, when Anakin's like, I'm going to blow up the mine, and she, like, thinks back to that, she's like, I can't, I literally can't stop him. Like, he's going to do this, and I can't do anything. And you can kind of see the helplessness in her. And Thrawn also, like, recognizes that. Um, and I also really dug the whole, like, her, because she is hot-headed. She's quite brash. Like, she's a smart girl, but she's also like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it right now. And so, like, when she goes off to, like, find her handmaiden friend, um, like, Anakin's like, hey, maybe I can help. She's like, no, no, it's fine. I'm good. And, like, she does need his help in the end because it's Star Wars. Um, but, like, the fact that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing she Yeah, pretty much. Like, Anakin. she does have that stubborn streak. And I appreciate that this book definitely gave it to her um, and that she acted on it a lot. And, I, yeah, I really appreciate this book kind of giving her more depth than a lot of other stuff has. Like, she definitely had more depth than in the later Star Wars movies with her in them. Um yeah, it's like the, I think possibly one of my favorite Padme appearances in a book so far. I can't remember many others I've read, but this is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, ah, uh, what are the other ones I've actually read? But, like, not many. <laughs> but this one's good at this least. Is, this is the monopoly. Yeah, this is the monopoly of Padme appearances, unfortunately. Uh, which is great. I mean, to be honest, this was my most, I thought... Here's the thing with, with Padme in this book. I didn't, it didn't really matter to me and it was hard for me to listen to because I'm going to confess, it's always hard for me when men try to do women's voices in audiobooks and vice versa. Oh, when women try yeah, to do men. fair. Like, it, it always throws me off and it, it's not fair to the, the people because, you know, Marcus Thompson who did this book is fantastic. He's great. He's the best. And um, January, oh, what's her name? Uh, 
I forgot her name, the little, her last name, but January, the uh, other person who does a lot of Star Wars books, who did um, Bloodline, uh, which is great. She did a great job. It always throws me off when they try to do the opposite sex voices or, or whatever, deeper voices or, or higher voices or than, than their register is. And it's not fair, but I'm sorry. It's really hard for me to get into like Padme's like voice. You know, she's like, hey. <sighs> like, you know, saying like, <laughs> it's me trying to do a woman's <laughs> voice. It's just weird, you know? And it's just like, it is, I cannot hear like Natalie Portman saying <laughs> these things. And that's not fair to him or, or Zahn, but um, it was hard for me to get into that side of the character. Um, you know, I did like the idea that, you know, she kind of held her own, befriended people and was able to kind of do her own thing. And, you know, but like Padme should, like, she's a very capable person. She's, you know, she doesn't necessarily need saving, you know, ne- you know, necessarily. And, um, I like that part of, part of it, but yeah, it just, it was hard for me to get behind, like, this was actually being said by, you know, N- Natalie Portman. I will say, um, I definitely heard more the voice of the way the dialogue was written for Clone Wars Padme. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I For all of these characters, I felt that they were, like, I heard the Clone Wars voices. Absolutely. They were very and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It just, it just, but it definitely, did I think it was true blue Padme? No. I mean, it was, you know, they're different voices. And I, I to be honest, I love the Padme from Clone Wars, but even though I'm not a huge fan of Padme in, uh, uh, the movies because of Portman's, I think, uh, in my, in my, in my opinion, I think Portman's performances suffer from movie to movie. Uh, they kind of get worse to me and I really just don't like her at her all. Her writing gets worse set. as well. Yeah. I think it might be a case of her just like being like, wow, this is bad. Screw this. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I think like the way my counter argument with that would always be Ewan McGregor got bad lines and he still delivered it. Yeah. Well. But also I and think so, he, I don't he know, I, loves Star Wars. But yeah, that, that's my and that's because my, my my beef though too is that she didn't love it, so and it, and it showed. So I think that like, you know, it, she, Lucas didn't do her any favors, and she didn't do him any favors. It was kind of like a bad relationship, working relationship. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just I just could never. I liked her a lot in episode one. I think that's a great, a solid performance to be honest. And episode two, it gets you know, granted that wasn't on her necessarily. It's on George. Episode three, I'm just like, man, you can tell that she does not want to be there. And, and it just, to me, it shows. Um, but that being said, I like her in The Clone Wars. I, I love the, the, her characterization in that show. So the characters, I think the character's fine, you know, but the, the book just, I couldn't connect to it. I just didn't really, couldn't really get into it. But, uh, but I think part of it, too, is the fact that it went back and forth, you know? I, that was hard Yeah, I just struggled with that. Yeah, I always... I'd get, like, really into, like, the past stuff and it's only a short prison. And I was like, oh, right. There's the other half of this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same thing happened with Han Solo, the, the Han Solo book, um, Last Shot. Like, I loved where they – I loved the, the, um, when it would go to one part, but then it would switch back and I went, no, keep it on there. It's, it's too much back and forth. And I don't know. Like, the Vader and Thrawn stuff, it just seemed – it was cool, but it also it felt unnecessary. I felt this is very much a Clone Wars book, and they put Vader and Thrawn together just out of like, you know, hey, let's throw these two characters together. Okay. Just kind of make it so we can put Vader and Thrawn on the cover and say, hey, we've got a Star Wars book to sell, you know? and Because you know, obviously Vader's going to sell more than a picture of Anakin. So 
uh, maybe that's just me being complaining, but I definitely <laughs> I, tended to like. I think that's. I mean, I'm me. way more into the Anakin cover. I I think that's funny to me. <laughs> and out of universe from an in-universe perspective like (laughs) like i um like because anakin was described as like the poster boy i know i don't think you're wrong i'm just going to an absurd direction with this because anakin was like actually described as the poster boy for the new republic at one point and vader was the like terrible henchman behind a mask vader scares everyone (laughs) and in the real world it's the other way around that's funny. <laughs> right. No, yeah, exactly. Well, because, you know, Vader will sell more books if he's on the cover, right? So, which I don't fault them for doing. I, I think it was, it just, it would, it just kind of, here's my problem. It would focus on the other characters, like the stormtroopers. I'm like, I don't care about these characters. Like, you know, and I want to focus on Thrawn and Vader. Like, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for them, not for this. It's kind of like when the uh, price stuff from the original book, like, I know a lot of people like that stuff, but for me, I'm there for Thrawn. I'm not there for, for Price mm. from Rebels. You know, I'm there for Thrawn. And, and I think that's the problem with, uh, with, with that book for me is that they kind of, you know, even with Padme, it's cool Padme is in the book, but like I'm there for Thrawn and, and for Vader. It's like, it's like if, you know, with a future uh, Padme novel, right? Let's say the Padme novel all of a sudden has a ton, like a way, way more Anakin than you thought. Like, Padme is still the main character, but it becomes like a pa- Anakin and Padme book with Padme as a focus. Yeah. Like that'd be kind of a bummer because you want Padme well, to be the kind of thing I've been saying alone, since right? Kenobi. That if you're gonna put, if you're going to name the book uh, the title, the name of a character, you you will want it to focus on that character. And I'm a little bit just resigned yeah. to the fact that that's not really going to be how it works because you need other characters in your book. I, I generally, I, I agree. Yeah. I'm bitter about You're it, but I agree that. with you. <laughs> no, yeah, and I think, and I think that that's the. I mean, a writer's got to have freedom to, to you know, do you know, try to tie the characters in. And, and part of the problem is the naming and the branding, as much as the storytelling. Yes, exactly. Well, and here's the thing too. I think like you, you have expectations, and maybe I come from like a. I'm coming back at it from a different angle too, maybe because from the comic book angle, like when your when your cover is, you know, Vader and Thrawn, or your cover is that, you're gonna you're expected to get that. Like, you know, you never judge a book by its cover. I get it, but like I come from a different world where I got six different book covers, you know, or excuse me, uh, I get a book new book cover every month, and it has to like grab you and sell you on that book. You know, spend your four or five or whatever dollars it is now. For, it's ridiculous. It's absurd how much how much comic books cost. But you know, you have to. You know, back when I was a kid, like you, the covers had to grab you. And yes, all you had to pretty much. I think that's a bit of a can of worms because of the way that the difference in the way the industries work in terms of budget and lead time. Of course, of course. Well, and that's the thing for me, and that's what I'm saying. I come from a different world, so. When I got, and of course I'm going to get side characters and things like that, but I feel like when you're going back and forth, how many side characters and side, side subplots do you need in your story before it gets a little too convoluted? And that's my main problem was we're going back and forth, back and forth with so many different characters. And I'm like, I don't, you know, the Thrawn's people on his ship. Like, I don't, I don't care about these people. Like, you know, I, I know they're, they're setting up Thrawn to do certain things and, and whatnot, but. 
it was just it was a little too much for me. I, I wanted it more condensed, and maybe it's because I'm a simpleton. And I'm I'm fully admit I'm not a book reader, so this maybe is more aimed at the you know I'm a, I'm a comic book guy. So this is this is definitely from a different perspective talking. So um, that was one thing that was really hard for me. It's just too many characters to remember their names. I mean, like, you know, it, it just wasn't as engaging for me to remember their names. Like, I can read Game of Thrones and remember a ton of their characters' names and them because they're interesting. Whereas in Thrawn, none of these people are interesting, and we're going back and forth so much that, like, I just don't remember everyone. So that was tough for me. Well... I do agree that the the side characters got a little bit lost. I definitely was satisfied enough with the story of Anakin and Vader and Padme and Thrawn that I was, like, I was happy with it overall, but I can barely remember the names of, like, the factory workers and the side characters. They were, I think Zahn yeah. um, has, not often, but I'm, I'm reminded of um, the one he did about the stormtroopers a while ago. Which was, like, basically either he's really good at ensembles sometimes, or you can't tell any of the characters apart. And unfortunately, uh, this was more of the latter with, in terms of the side characters. There was, there was one yeah. part that I really liked that was, like, a really inventive thing about side characters. Um, Sack, did you have anything else you want to add about, like, the factory workers um, before I get into that? Or I'll go on my, like, speech about the the Skywalkers. <laughs> I just didn't really get the um, motivations of the factory workers a lot of the times. Like, they're like, we want money. And then they're like, no, we'll help you anyways. Um, yeah. I found them a little bit jarring. But the other side characters, like, I really liked the Stormtrooper commander and the ship commander. But the problem was I can't remember either of their names. So did I really care about them? I don't know. <laughs> I also love, like, this is a classic example, like you said, like, we want money, and then, we'll, of course, we'll help you. And it's like, you know, it's like, I'll give you money when Anakin gets back. Well, okay. And I'm like, okay. And then Anakin shows up. Well, where's that money? Oh, he'll get it to you. Okay. It's like, man, these guys are pretty, like, she conveniently falls into a very, like, noble group of, like, you know, blue-collar workers that will just be patient to get paid after you've pretty much told them, like, oh, you get paid eventually, and, oh, you're just going to, you know, you're going to lose your job or this whole uh, factory blows up, but don't worry. Well, okay. I'm like, uh, this isn't really working. Yeah. You know, it, this yeah. is, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just didn't... I agree that they're, like, the switch between we're doing this because we can get paid and we're doing this because we're going to be noble people was a little uh, underdeveloped. Well, the thing that I really loved and that I haven't really talked about before because I was afraid of spoilers, but then no one else was talking about it. And I was like, please, why is no one else fascinated by this? Was the Skywalkers, right? The twist is that um, Skywalker is like, if you translate a just word for this certain type of force user it means skywalker and that's part of how theron recognizes anakin and recognizes how important he is and what they are are force users who are really excellent pilots and can navigate through the unknown regions um, particularly and the other thing about them is that it's they're mostly women not all but mostly it's it's girls who have that ability and that they gradually lose it as they get older so they have force sensitivity, but like only this one type and only until they're like 14 and then it goes away. And then 
somebody else, like, they have become instructors, and they have to train the next generation of kids, which I just immediately went, like, what a sad story. What a sad thing to be raised when you're a kid to know that you're really, you're literally supernaturally good at something, and you can do it for, I don't know, five years or something, and then it's just going to go away, and you're going to no longer be able to feel the cosmic touch of the universe anymore. You just can't, and you have to now train your successors, and then by the time you're, I don't know, 25, you're done. Like, you train your class, like, there are other people coming up through those ranks, And you're just done. And I'm really sad about that. (laughs) And I love it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I really want to read a whole, maybe not a novel, but like a story about how that feels to be told you're a chosen one and then you're not anymore. And also just I love the unknown regions. I've always talked about how I want to find out what's going on with the First Order and the unknown regions and the Aftermath trilogy. So to learn a little bit more about there are these weird anomalies in there. There are these like uncharted paths. And the reason the Chiss can chart them is because they have this ability that's like a very specific force power about piloting through uh, you know, dangerous regions of space, and that's how they can do that. I thought that was such a cool piece of lore, and, like, nobody's talking about it, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I found that extremely cool, um, and I really want more stuff that's kind of follows this, I guess because there's the whole, like, threat of this expanding universe from thing. Unknown regions, like, civilization that wants to, like, you know, destroy oh, the empire, yeah. take over and everything. Like, I want more about that, and, like, the, the just, and especially, like, those Skywalkers, like, that's so cool. I love that idea, and it's also so, like, that tragic as well. And I extremely love it. it. That was one kind of problem that I did have with this book, that the villains were very underdeveloped. And to me, it was very much like, oh, yeah, yeah it's the Yusun Bong. We can't call them that, and we've just taken away all the things that are interesting about them because the Yusun <laughs> Bong. <laughs> but um, I completely forgot about them until you mentioned them. That's right, that's what, like, they, ca- they kidnapped the Skywalkers. But well, and, and here's the thing: they could keep. There's probably threats in the unknown regions that, like, they can they can be multiple threats. It doesn't have to be one threat. It can be many, many threats, and you can always play on that. I'm a little. I'll be honest. I'm a, that seems a little too much to use on Vong, and I'm hoping that's not like a giant threat, like a whole a whole thing that's like it. That just seems too. And- well, to clarify, when I say threats, I partially mean like, geographical threats as well, like black holes and like really dense regions of space and stuff, like gravity waves and stuff like that. I mean, I mean those even more than I mean like enemy, uh, you know, cultures or enemy species or something. Right. Yeah, I think. I think. <coughs> excuse me. I think that you could have that. I think they will. I think we're going to get some threats out of there. I just don't know if it's going to be one collective threat where it, you know, threatens, uh, you know, but like something where, you, I don't know, like some maybe like the the new new republic will have to face, a, you know, a small army will have to take out this one thing or, or whatever. I just don't know if it's ever going to be as big as like the like the Vong would what was where it had like a bunch of tie-ins and it had a big it was a big thing, um, you know, because that's. I don't know. I just feel like that's a very, uh, I'll be honest, it's a very comic booky serial uh, thing where it's like this, this blanket 
uh, endless amount of enemies you could have from the unknown regions. Like, you know, it, I almost think that snow came from the unknown regions. Like, I, I, I like to think that's where yeah, it came same. from. Therefore, like, that's cool. I like the idea yeah. of coming out of like nowhere, kind of, well, not nowhere, but like coming out of this mysterious yeah, weird exactly. place. Because that's what, again, that's what the Emperor is kind of intrigued by the Unknown Regions and didn't know anything about it. It would make sense that, like, it would make sense in the in, a, in the next George, or the, the absence of George Lucas, that how you would explain Snoke coming out of nowhere and other um, dark side threats that maybe were lurking that, you know, they've hinted at in the books, like uh, the Aftermath trilogy and whatnot. It makes sense that they would be in the that kind of setting, and you would be able to explain those things and have, you know, have an out for that's why, you know, the Luke brought balance, but there's other balances that there, you know, that they, that weren't in, in, in the play at that point, you know, or whatever. So I think, and maybe there's other, maybe uh, keys to the, to the force in the unknown regions that they haven't discovered yet it would be another interesting as- aspect. I just hope it's not just like, Here's a, we need a threat, we need a, you know, a new threat to the threat the heroes. Throw them from the Unknown Regions. That's what I worry about. And I think that's what kind of worries me about the Unknown Regions and what they're kind of showed with it so far. And that could be very dangerous and lazy, which I don't think they'll go that route, but I think it's very yeah. easy to go that route. I think if so, they go, like, kind of what my problem was with what they did in this book with that that alien species, I don't even remember what they're called. They, it was kind of like... These guys are aggressive. Uh, they're attacking the Chiss, but there's no explanation for why they're doing it. Or if there is an explanation, it's really brief. And, like, they don't really have a, a culture. They're just like, here's some scary-looking aliens. I want it to be something more uh, developed than that. Uh, which is why I do think that if they are going to do something with the Unknown Regions in the longer term, maybe with Snoke, maybe with uh, Ray Sloan, it probably won't be the same species we saw in this book. It's it's going to be something that is more, uh, maybe wilder, maybe more bizarre. But this book was just kind of, I think, a taste of what the Chiss as a... The, is it still called the Chiss Ascendancy? The Chiss Kingdom. Um, mm. Yeah. I think so. So what they experience... Like, I, think it's, I think it's Chiss Ascendancy. It's just, day to day they have threats from all different kinds of things and we've only seen you know one of those things so far i think we'll see more it possibly if if the eu chooses to go that way um which i think would be a rich way for them to go uh we'd see more of that Yeah, I think that that's not a bad, like, to use it here and there is not bad to introduce new threats without, like, why didn't, why didn't these people show up before? Like, that would, to use that sparingly would be good. And I think, like, I like, if they do it that way, it'll be fine. And, you know, because Black Spire is on the, right on the cuffs of... Black uh, Spire, the, remind regions, me. Correct? Batu. Oh, yes, yes. yes that's yes. the, Batu is the, yeah. where the, the, so the yeah, whole thing yeah. took place. It's, it's right at the cusp. Yeah, yeah. So that's like right at the cusp of the unknown regions. So, you know, the fact is that we've got like a good starting point to like go to. And, and, and the fact that that's based off of the new upcoming Disneyland uh, attraction, that'll be interesting to kind of, you know, have a bridge maybe. Um, to, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Here's the thing. 
you can introduce new, newer kind of, uh, kind of like armies and things like that through the unknown regions that you, you know, you can't, you, that you don't have to explain away. Like, well, how come they weren't around there for the empire? Blah, 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 blah. Like, you don't have to worry about that. Like that's, the, that's your out. I just hope it doesn't become the, 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 the crutch. You know what I mean? Uh, really fast before you wrap up, uh, I'm curious if you guys were bothered by this at all, but, uh, because I listened to the audiobook, which the audiobook was great. Like Marcus Thompson does a killer Thrawn voice. It's super great. Um, I wish his Vader voice had more like more the like the modulation on it or what? Not modulation, but like more like the <laughs> effect on it because it just kind of had a little bit of like uh, distortion, you know, whatever. But it just didn't really work. But whatever. But one thing that was weird yes. was the way Thrawn would write yes. double vision, like oh be, like, yeah. Be, the, okay, so you got it must be weird reading it, but let me tell you, it's even weirder listening to it for me because I'd be like you know walking and I'd all, you know if he's do the Vader voice, he'd be going like like this. He'd go double vision, <laughs> and it'd just be like that. I can't <laughs> that. You know, I mean, you know, it's like then Vader takes his lightsaber out. And then he also to be quiet for a second. And go, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. And then and Anakin, his, his Anakin voice is so around trying to be younger. He go double vision. I'm like, no, no, not sorry, guys. I didn't I even think about the fact that those it. bits would like it. be read in their voices. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's just like double vision. I'm just like, no, no, I can't get behind this. This this doesn't, this doesn't sound right. I get what he was trying to do. I'm of two minds minds about it I like that like it is a creative not structure but like framing thing but on the other hand yeah it can definitely come off as silly it, it came off as a little bit of a way to like have your cake and eat it too in terms of having mm-hmm. distance from Thrawn and seeing what's going on inside his head and I can definitely that <laughs> sounds like it would be really funny uh in the in terms of the voice version it's like doing um <laughs> you know, like scanning in a video game. <laughs> like yeah. you, you press the double vision. Yeah, it, that's very much it. I just uh, sad. No, it was, it was really repetitive, especially like Vader's ones weren't so bad, but Thrawn's ones. Did you do this in previous books with Thrawn? Oh, yeah. I don't. Wait, not the double vision thing, but like so. the way Thrawn. Double double. Vision. Did you? thing in the yes. canon one. How he would articulate, like, his hands on his yeah. hands, like that thing. Okay. Yeah, 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 where he, like, he basically, like, he reads the, their, their, uh, these little things about what they do, and then he's like, this means Yeah, this. I didn't love that. Yeah, that was very, very repetitive much. and, like... Oh, you would have hated Oh, my God, because it keeps saying the same things. It's like, blah, 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 held frustration in her body, and then the next one will be like, blah, 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 held hesitation in her face or something like that. I'm like, oh, my God. This is just, just, just write it better. Um, but I understand what the point of it was, but I also hated it because it felt like <laughs> watching that Moffat Sherlock bit where uh, Sherlock's trying to do like word association stuff. Oh my God, that video is terrible. But it reminded me of that and I was dying. The mind palace stuff? Yeah. No offense. Sorry, yeah, I hate to say it. Yeah. I kept... Uh... <laughs> I kept wanting to sing the foreigner song. He got <laughs> like you know. So you guys probably, don't, but honestly, every time you go, 
I'm just like, I just hear Foreigner, Mandemovision. It's like, okay, I just, it was hard to take seriously after a while. And then it just got really old. One thing, um, it's funny because he did the double vision thing, but I think it was a Paul Kemp who did the, he, he, he went deep into the force. He, could, he he kind of like, he'd always say like when he wanted to, that he was trying to use the force without saying like just using the force. He'd, he'd go, Paul Kemp was a go deep into the force, you know? So like he's got, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, that, I love that I book, like but he, I remember him, you know, that was his thing. He would go deep into the force and then there was a <laughs> double vision, you know? So that's, that's Zahn's uh, way of doing things. So Anyway, uh, as we're wrapping up, uh, ladies, uh, the, uh, either one, you have any last, uh, last, last thoughts? Um, it, well, talking about villains, uh, I did feel that Duke Solha as the other like yeah. main antagonist was not super effective either. He just reminded me of Count Dooku. I thought like it almost felt like he had been planned to be Dooku, and then I'd had to change him. So. Not like it didn't, you know, break the book for me, but he was something that I noticed when I was kind of flipping through to refresh myself and it just kind of felt like it was. Yeah, like I forgot he existed actually until you just said his character. name. He was a very boring villain. Um but I guess he wasn't really an essential part of it. I don't know. That book, like if I don't think about it too much, I enjoyed it. But if I think about it more I'm like, ah, that there was a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I did generally like it, but I, yeah, I, I generally liked it, but I see where you're coming from, and I, I think I agree with a lot of your criticism with in terms of the, mm. the characters. Yeah, and basically my last thoughts on art gave me some good Anakin Padme stuff with Thrawn, which was a weird ride, but I enjoyed that novelty. Yeah, I'm not a, this book was just kind of whatever, and uh and like you said, the villains kind of like, eh, I just, yeah, it's just hard for me to get in this book. It just, it, I liked it at first. The Black Spire was really fascinating. I liked the idea of like the black trees. That's pretty cool. And then I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And then it just never really went anywhere after that for me. So, you know, I think Zahn, I'll be honest, this is a, the truth be told, uh, I preferred the comic book adaptations of his trilogy because when I was a kid, I tried to read it. I remember I could not. I could not get through the books as a kid. And I Controversial opinion. From me as adult. Hey, I never read the books, so I'm not saying anything. <laughs> oh, no, like I, said, I read the comics. The comics were cool, but the, the actual novel, just it's just hard. It's just too much stuff, too much writing. I too much writing in that book. It. So that's just me. Yeah. Exactly. Too much, too many <laughs> words, too much prose. Um, so, uh, I need two clips from this episode to inspire myself when I'm writing. One of Saf saying too much writing and one of Saf <laughs> saying do better. Yes, that's good. Those are good inspirations. That's a, Saf, you need, you need to be a motivational hey, if speaker. if anyone's willing to pay, I'll do it. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe at one of the, con- the many conventions you do, they can, they can do that because you could, you could get the crap out of some people with some words. <laughs> So, my life goal. We all, we all know you crack up people with words. My life goal is with words. With, with words. my words. I'm going to kick the crap out of you all with my words. So, all right. Well, I guess on that note, we'll uh, we'll end it. So, tell me, speaking of staff, who can kick the crap out of you with words, 
Where can people find you and all the lovely things that you do? So I'm taking a hiatus from a lot of stuff at the moment, but you can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. Um, I also podcast at Toshi Stations Network sometimes. I have my own podcast network, Not Safe Work Podcast, which is at notsafework.com. Um, but the best place to find me is generally Twitter. Excellent, excellent. Now, Megan, my question to you is, where can people find you and all the lovely things that you do, my dear? People can find me on Twitter at blog full of words. I write for StarWars.com, Star Wars Insider, and Den of Geek. I have two stories out now that I'm pretty happy with. One is a review of Destiny 2 Forsaken on Den of Geek, and one is a story about how Darth Maul, son of Dathomir, connects to Solo, on StarWars.com, so um, you can check those out if you want to see more of my writing. Um, my whole portfolio is on blogfullofwords.blogspot.com. Excellent. You can find me. Excuse me. You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, aka Pthug. You can also find me on other podcasts like at Marvel Newscast. Uh, we, we review and talk about Marvel comics, books, all kinds of stuff. Got a Patreon set up. It's a lot of fun. Um, also find me on another Star Wars podcast I do with my good friends Tim and Kyle at Saga Continues. We're all, find all those on Twitter on um, podcasts and whatnot. So go ahead and seek those out. Check those out. I really appreciate it. And uh, fo- follow us on Twitter at Blaster Cannon Pod. Uh, tweet at us. Ask us questions. We'll uh, we'll write back. And uh, yeah, we next time. I think next month. I'm not sure what we got on the docket, but uh, maybe we can get some Darth Vader comics in there. Maybe we can. Uh, you know, probably the novel we've missed between now and then. We need to review. I'm not sure if we. What is next on the list? Do we have anything? We'll see. We'll discuss it. <laughs> we'll, but we will discuss. But hopefully, we'll get some. Uh, maybe we'll get some comics in there. But anyway, uh, I am Paul for uh, Megan and Saf. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.